What I'm about to do to you is a valid translation, equivalent to what I just read and maybe equivalent to what's in your Bible, okay? But the Hebrew is very problematic in here, and it could say this. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it he ceased from creating all the work that was still yet to be done. Whoa. The work yet to be done. Like I said, I want to do good scholarship and I want to base this really on the Word of God. So indeed, I go to the JPS Torah commentary. You need solid commentaries to actually do this. As a matter of fact, even the Orthodox commentary, the Humash, even addresses this. So all the work of creation that he had done, the smooth English conceals a difficulty in the Hebrew which literally translates, so they're literally trying to translate it here, all his work that God created to do. He stopped creating all of the work that he intended to do. In other words, it wasn't done. There was work yet to be done. The rabbis, Iban Ezra and Radak, great two rabbis, basically say, and uh, basically concur. And they say man has to continue the work. Did God build the 707? No. I I've never seen God stand there, okay, actually working on a 747 making it. Did God make uh, uh, an iPhone? Uh, no, he did not, okay? We did that. Men, women, we're following in his image. We're creating stuff. He said, I'll set it up for you, okay? You do the rest. So this is very fascinating. So... We read the very words of God and the work that's yet to be done. All right? Where's Jesus in there? Right in my hot little hand. Let's listen to the very words of Jesus as it's related to Genesis 2-3. When did Jesus ever do commentary on Genesis 2-3? He did. Many times. But we are reading it from English. And we don't understand what's the possibility. Listen. John 4, 34, Jesus said to them, My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. The work that's still yet to be done. John 9, 4, he includes us in this. We must work the works of him who sent me. As long as it is a day, night is coming when no one can work. John 17, 4, I glorified you in the earth, having accomplished the work which you had given me to do. And for me, when I take a look at this, understanding the Hebrew, you say, wait a minute, there's work that is still yet to be done? The Sabbath is all of a sudden a picture of the, Jesus. And it's us too. Wait a minute. Paul gets into the act. You know this verse, but if you understand Genesis 2-3 like Paul did, he is a Hebrew scholar. And they may have known the discrepancies in this and a couple of different ways of looking at this at that time. Listen to this verse, Ephesians 2, 8 through 10. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is a gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand. When? Genesis 2, 3, so that we would walk in them. Wow. 
And all of a sudden, because there is an alternate way of translating Genesis 2-3, we see how Jesus is in the Shabbat. Let's take a look at another one. Another remembrance. I'm going to get back to his word. Again, I want to base it on the very words of God, these remembrances that Robin and I had. I'm going to get to Exodus 20, verses 10 through 11. Gee whiz, that's a Ten Commandments. Exodus 20, verses 10 through 11. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, your male servant or, your, or female servant or your livestock, or the sojourner who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made the heaven and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Uh, one comment that I want to mention here uh, is the Lord does need to rest. You hear that question from kids. This is good. How come he needs to rest? Because it doesn't say that. Sabbath can mean rest. But if you actually take a look at the definition of the word rest, in the Merriam-Webster Dictionary, it has two equal definitions. To rest as in taking a nap and rest your weary bones from all the work, or to cease or desist. Equal definitions. And we, as Christians, focus in, and Jewish people, only focus in on the first one. God doesn't need to rest. I'm working today. I'm, I'm working today. I, I can feel the sweat going down my back. Okay? <laughs> I had to haul in the guitars. I got to haul them back. I'm going to be tired when I get home. I'm working. You're not supposed to work on the Sabbath. No, I'm ceasing. I'm desisting to do something else. Are you with me? So when you see red, I'll take, again, I've done this before, probably in another lesson. You're supposed to have all your animals rest. Again, you got. Let's say you got four donkeys, and your four donkeys are used by you for hauling, okay, for transporting stuff, and also for tilling the ground. So now the Sabbath comes. The shofars are blowing. Okay, you're one of the first disciples or one of that group. So you take your four donkeys, okay, and the third shofar blows. So you know the candles are being lit. Okay, got to get into the house. You take your donkeys. You put them in a corral. Say, so you guys lay down. I want you four to sleep for 24 hours because God said it. God rested, and I'm supposed to rest. You're supposed to rest. What are donkeys going to do? Nothing. Well, God forbid, if you have two males and two females, they're going to have a lot of fun for the next 24 hours. They're going to eat, and they're going to do other stuff. Okay? They're going to be donkeys. They're not going to rest. But they're happy because they cease and desisted from their normal activities during the week. You get it? Makes a whole lot of sense. You had to drive here. There are many Jewish rabbis who would say, you drove here, oh my goodness, you created a fire. And I understand where they're coming from. I'm not trying to make fun of that. Okay, so many Jewish people in Highland Park and also in Saint, they walk to synagogue. Okay? But they're walking. They should be resting. Okay, one rabbi I remember said, if you actually take a nap, and sleep most of the day on the Sabbath, you're probably breaking the law. And you're actually sinning. It's got nothing to do with rest. So it's fascinating. However, for me, in this verse, it's clear God is connecting the creation with the Sabbath. Right? Because he says, for in six days the Lord made heaven and earth. He doesn't say remember, but he's making the connection. Now what I find very interesting is when we take a look at creation on day one, God created light. But the sun and moon were not created to day four. There is rabbinic speculation 
okay, that this light on day one was the light of the Messiah. Not Messiah, the light of Messiah. John chapter 1, in his gospel, what is he saying? The light is Jesus. Read it, because he's, he's really commenting on Genesis chapter 1. So the light is the light of Messiah. And we take a look at the beginning and the end, and I just want to dance. Because I said, I can see Jesus in this. So when we light our two candles, Robert and I light two candles. What does the first candle represent to us? Genesis chapter 1, the light of Messiah. Was it the light of Messiah? The Bible is silent. I know there's rabbinic commentary. John seems to imply it, and we say, God, it reminds us of Genesis chapter 1. But what does the second candle remind us? Let me show you. I've got to go to the end of the Bible, to Revelation chapter 22 and verse 24. Where are you? Oh, there you are. Here you are. Revelation 21, 22 through 24. Listen carefully. You're in the New Jerusalem, okay? Messiah has come. And I saw no temple in the city, for its temple is the Lord God, the Almighty, and the Lamb. And the city has no need of the sun or the moon to shine on it. For the glory of God gives its light, and its lamp is the Lamb. And all of a sudden, on Shabbat, we're celebrating this. The whole Bible. Not one event. Everything. That has become so profound for my wife and I when we look at those two candles. So for us, we remember God as creator. On day one, he created light. There was no sun or moon. And in the new Jerusalem, there will be light. It will be the light of the Lamb with no need of the sun or the moon. All of a sudden, Genesis and Revelation, the beginning and the end, I wonder if the disciples got it. If not, I'm going to have a seminar up there. And they're going to pick it. Boy, did you guys miss it. No, Paul's going to come. No, John, we already know. Don't go to Ferret Center. Take a look at another one. Now, God inspires his prophet Moses. A prophet is not a predictor, okay? You, we mis completely mistranslate the idea of prophet. Prophet is not somebody who predicts the future, okay? That is a complete mistranslation of the Hebrew word. A prophet is a spokesman for God. Go to uh, a used car lot, okay? And try to say, where's your salesperson? Say salesperson, because it could be a woman. Okay? So don't say salesperson. Okay, and the salesperson will come out, man or woman, okay? They're a spokesman. They're a prophet. And they're going to prophesy over the car that you want. <laughs> See, and all of a sudden you want to say prediction? No. Okay. A prophet is a proclaimer. That's what the Hebrew mean, word means. It might mean in very few cases they're predicting. And that stands in the Bible. Isaiah, he proclaims. And all those chapters in the book of Isaiah, he only predicts maybe 10% of the time. Predicts. He's always speaking into a situation, but then there's a number of times he's predicting about things that are going to happen later on. Anyway, Moses is a prophet. My, by the way, Moses did predict a couple of things. Okay, we'll go to it right now. So, we want to integrate um, 
the Sabbath. So we go to Deuteronomy 5.12. And Deuteronomy 5.12, let's see, is this the one? Yeah. So this is the second version of the Ten Commandments that Moses wrote. Okay? This is very interesting. Moses is writing his own version. Because in Deuteronomy, God never speaks. It's only Moses. But Moses is a prophet of God. And if he's a prophet of God, he's getting his inspiration from God, his words from God. So therefore, I say this is the word of God. Okay? If you don't agree, you can leave right now. <laughs> the Ten Commandments. Uh, five, starting in verse 12. Observe the Sabbath day to keep it holy as the Lord your God commanded you. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work. In other words, you're ceasing your work. You or your son or your daughter or your male servant or your female servant or your ox or your donkey or any kind of livestock or the sojourner is within your gates, uh, that your male servant and your female servant may cease and desist as you as well. It doesn't say rest, okay? Like take a nap. It means to cease and desist. You shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt, and the Lord your God brought you out from there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. So we stop there, and what is now God saying to connect to the Sabbath? The Exodus. So in the first one, okay, in Exodus chapter 20, we're taking a look at God said the creation is connected to the Sabbath. Clear. And now, here in the second version, it's the Exodus. Now, when we go into this, what I really find fascinating about the Exodus is Ralph Pate's book. Those of you who really want to go into his really scholarly studies, this is one of the books you have to have on your shelf. Okay, this is a Jewish book by a Jewish scholar who's gathered all the literature and statements about the Messiah in Jewish literature. Okay, so from the Bible, from the Talmud, from the Mishraim, all over the place. And so the thing is, is that ju just listen. This is Jewish writing about the Messiah. Now remember, Moses gave us, okay, inspired by God, the Word of God, and we're supposed to remember the Exodus. Who's Moses? Listen to this. The Messiah is of the most noble royal blood known in Israel. He is the house of David. Moses is of the noblest nine that existed in those early days among the children of Israel, the priestly family of Levi. What they're doing is making the comparison with Messiah and Moses. This is Jewish. This is not Christian. This was thousands of years before we even understood this stuff. The great task of both the Messiah and Moses are destined to fulfill is the redemption of their people from bondage. The bondage of the exile and dispersion in the case of Messiah and the bondage of Egyptian slavery in the case of Moses. Both lead their people back to the promised land, the holy land, the land of the fathers. At the time of the advent of both, at the time of the coming of both, the people have suffered for a long time, for many generations. But in the absence of divine help, they have been unable to better their lot. Then both Moses and Messiah spend an inordinately long time waiting for the divinely ordained moment when they can embark on the mission of salvation. That's exactly what's going on today. Isn't that amazing? There's a statement here. Um, from, I, I 
It's from a uh, commentary on by Rabbi Tanuma. As the first redeemer, Moses is the first redeemer, so the last redeemer, which is the Messiah. Just as the first redeemer was revealed to the children of Israel and hidden from them for three months. I don't know where they come up with the three months. I haven't got that yet. So the last redeemer will be revealed and then again hidden from them. Jesus has been revealed to Israel and he's hidden. So for me, when I take a look at this, taking a look and saying, my goodness, Jesus is like Moses. But Jesus is the ultimate redeemer. Moses is the first redeemer by Jewish commentary. Not by Christian commentary, but I agree with it 100%. And I think God shows us something in here. Remember the transformation? The trans oh, not transformation, transfiguration. Okay. I'm going to be in Luke 9.35. Well, actually, I didn't bookmark it, so let me just kind of paraphrase it. The three disciples are there. They hear a voice from heaven, yes, and they said, this is my uh, son, my chosen one. Listen to him. I think those three wanted to dance. Why? Because each phrase is from a certain part of the Hebrew Scriptures. 